Welcome, everyone, to episode 16 of the Hot Esquina podcast. Yo soy Enrique. I am joined today by my co-host, Sean. As I told y'all last week, he's officially come on the pod, so you guys are going to hear a lot of him from now on. We're going to discuss today the White Sox series, that whole thing between Tim Anderson and Josh Donaldson. We're going to talk Chad Green, Luis Hill, and we're going to preview the Orioles series and some other things that are going on in Yankee land. And we'll be right back. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Ahí va. Por el desfile. Olvídala. Se va a la calle. En la calle. Esa se va. Se va. Se fue. And we're back. So before we get started, let me welcome on my co-host, Sean. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, always glad to be back. <laughs> but uh, tough series, and uh, I look forward to the Orioles series coming up. Well, I mean, I hope you're glad to be back because, like I said in the open, you're officially part of the show now. So I would hope you're glad to be back now that you're official. That's right. I'm going to have to come up with a new uh, opening because I always feel like I'm saying, yeah, glad to be back. But yeah, I got to it is it's always an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. It's an honor having you, bro. We're we're happy to have you on the show. Um, How's your week? How was your weekend, bro? Uh, It was it was actually pretty well. Wish the Yankees uh, had a better doubleheader that they uh, put up yesterday, but it was good. It was good overall. How about you? Uh, my weekend was solid, man. Had a good one with my little man. Had some fun. You know, did the whole dad thing. You know how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, like you, wish the Yankees could have given us some more stuff to cheer about over the weekend. Not to mention I didn't have a lot to cheer about with my hockey team, as you know, being down three games to nothing to my co-hosts. Uh, my regular co-host's team, the Tampa Bay Lightning. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, As an Islander um, fan, I I feel for you because I've <laughs> dealt with this the past two years with the Lightning. And yeah. it hurt last year losing in game seven and the year before that in game six in the conference finals. So I hate the Lightning just as much as you do at this moment. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, my God, bro. Um, I'm still I'm still holding out hope that we could win four in a row and, you know, beat them and move on to the Eastern Conference finals. But you never know. Um, But, you know, uh, like I always say, this is a baseball podcast, so we'll move on to the baseball, of course. Um, Like I said, like you, I wish the Yankees could have given me more to cheer about over the weekend. But, you know, it's still it's still all good. Only the second series that the Yankees lose all year. Um, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, uh, the Yankees won seven, five on Saturday, El Cubano, El Orgullo de Hialeah, Nestor Cortez got the win in this one, going five innings pitched, striking out seven, walking no one and giving up only three earned runs on a home run, really, because that's the only blemish he had a home run that happened to be with two men on to fellow Cuban, Jose Abreu, in, in a battle of Cuba. <laughs> um, DJ LeMayhew hit a grand slam in this one on the day that he reached 10 years of service time. Congrats to him. 
the bench is also cleared in this one, thanks to beef between Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson. We'll get more into that later. The Yanks then played a doubleheader, like my co-host Sean brought up a little earlier, on Sunday with both managers making sure Donaldson and Anderson didn't start or play in the same games, you know, to avoid conflict. Seems a little childish to me and, and to my co-host, but I digress. Um, in game one, the Yankees were shut out until the eighth inning where Aaron Judge hit a mammoth blast to left field that would have left every single MLB stadium. I have no doubt about that. He tied the game with that homer only for a role this Chapman to give the lead right back on a home run to A.J. Pollock the next inning. Tyone went seven innings pitch, allowing one earned run, striking out seven, and only walking one in this one. And Lucas Lickey went one scoreless inning, but Chapman unfortunately blew it for us. In game two of the doubleheader, the Sunday night baseball game, the Yankees lost five to zero in a game that until the eighth inning was a good old fashioned pitcher's duel where both Luis Severino and Michael Kopech shined with Kopech having a perfect game until the sixth when Rob Brantley of all people broke it up with a double. Sevy had more traffic on the bases, but was still dominant going seven scoreless innings, striking out five, allowing no walks and weaving in and out of trouble consistently. Loisica then came in and could not get the job done. And then with Miguel Castro in, Tim Anderson got the last laugh on us and hit a three-run home run, putting a dagger in this one and in the series. And to top it off, holding his index finger over his mouth, basically telling us Yankee fans to shut up. This was only, as I said earlier, the second series the Yankees have lost all season. So overall, we're still in good shape, but nonetheless, it's a series you wanted to win, especially with the whole Donaldson and Tim Anderson beef. You really wanted to win this series and have the final laugh over the White Sox, but wasn't meant to be. Um, Sean, what, do you, what did you think of the White Sox series? Disappointed, to keep it brief. Uh, I felt the whole Donaldson-Tim Anderson feud is something we'll get into. First game was good after the, you know, the rain out Friday come at Saturday, uh, you know, when Mayu hits the grand slam on 10th day, year of service time. And then, you know, Yankees hold on, even though the White Sox were battling back, they, they kept the game close and the Yankees won. And then the, you know, yesterday with the double header, all eyes seemed to be on both games and just, it just seemed uncomfortable from the start. You know, Tyone and Severino looked absolutely phenomenal. I thought that they played lights out. I could not ask for better for Tyone and for Severino in the second game because every time he'd work into a jam, he found a way out of it, and he was dominant. And But, you know, eventually the, the White Sox caught on, and they ended up winning that game too. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about Chapman in the first game and all that. But overall, it was a little disappointing, but I'm glad to have won the season series against them. And so, you know, even if we have the same record at the end of the year, we would still host, you know, a home field. So that's good. I'm very happy about that, too. And quickly piggybacking off what you said about Severino, and then we could uh, basically move on to the next topic if you'd like. Not only did he weave in and out of traffic, like I said, 
but the passion he showed. Like, I love that Luis Severino is back in this rotation again solely because of the passion and the energy he brings. You know, you know, Sean, that when he's fired up like that, it fires up the rest of the clubhouse. That moment, I, I forgot what inning it was when he got that punch out to, to escape trouble and he started pumping his fist. Bro, you know the, the rest of the team was as fired up as he was and they were right there with him. You know, that, that type of energy is infectious, man. And you got to love seeing it. Like, I'm super happy for him. I'm super happy with the progress he's made. And it, with him specifically, it really does feel like a Cinderella story and a comeback story, given everything he's been through to come back to where he is now. Like, it hasn't been e an easy road for him at all. That's that's why I, I, I've missed Severino for so long is because he brought the fire. The playoffs or, you know, our top guy, our ace, that was the guy we look forward to seeing every five days. That was like for me yesterday, I kept saying like, he's back. He's back. And escaping out of that bases loaded, no out jam in the fifth inning like that, that, you know, that showed me like the time when we had it, uh, I think in 2019 with the bases loaded against the Twins with nobody out and he escaped that jam in, in the ALDS. Yeah. I thought of that immediately. I'm like, wow, he's back. He's back. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, you, you gotta love it and you gotta love the, the, the confidence he had in himself to throw those pitches in those situations, you know, that, that breaking ball that he threw low and outside to end the inning that took guts because if the catcher doesn't play that correctly, that's, that's going to the backstop and that's a run that coming across, you know what I'm saying? So it takes guts to bury one low and outside like that. And the other one where I believe it was a fastball right at knee level on the outside corner that took guts. Like he had guts and confidence in his pitch selection and his, and his control. Like he knew he had it. Even when he was in trouble, he's like, I got this. He believed in himself. And that's what I'm saying. It, it makes it, even better to cheer for him. Not that we didn't cheer for him already, because like you said, he was our ace uh, a couple of years back, but you just cheer for him even more seeing that from him, given everything he's been through. Like he's never been deterred. He's always been, you know, ready to come back and do his thing. Like he looks like the Luis Severino of old. I'm 1000% with you on that. You just brought up a great point where, you know, trusting your stuff and hoping that the cashier gets it, you know, going into that morning, you know, you're thinking you're going to have Higashioka behind the plate. Then you find out, you know, you get Rob Brantley, who you, you saw him arrive in the eighth inning with his duffel bag, like, or no, in the ninth inning, cheering on, uh, on Chapman. And, you know, like to come in and, you know, trust your catcher and trust yourself more. Like, I got this. And even going back to the old pitch routine of, you know, no pitch calm. And, uh, you know, that just goes to show how, how much Severino trusts his stuff and trusts himself. I completely agree with you. I'm super happy with what I'm seeing so far. This is, this is what every Yankee fan was hoping for before the season when we were looking at Severino coming back and we were, you know, cautiously optimistic because we didn't know what version of Severino we were going to get. We didn't know if he was going to be all the way back. If, you know, if he was going to be the Severino of old, like if he was ready, you know, we didn't know if he was ready and 
he has put any doubts that any Yankee fan has had to rest at this point. At least I think he has. So I'm very happy about what we've seen from Luis Severino, and I know you are too. Yeah, he's even brought in more pitches. He brought in higher velocity than usual, you know, and, and granted, you know, there's still over 120-something games in the season, but so far, you know, he's he's looked great. I I really look forward to, you know, what the future holds for him this season. Yeah, and uh, before we move on to the next subject, I just want to give a quick shout-out to uh, Michael Kopech, man. Like, you know, I'm not a White Sox fan by any means, obviously, but that kid – looked hell of impressive like you know I know we live in an age Sean where people love offense and you know Rob Manfred is trying to do all he can especially when he had the balls juiced to get more offense into this game or whatever but for old-fashioned baseball fans like myself fans that have been fans of the game way back when, when you had dominant pitchers like Randy Johnson going out there, Roger Clemens throwing out there, you love to see a good pitcher's duel. You know what I'm saying? If you're an OG baseball fan like I am, you know what I'm saying? And that was an old-fashioned pitcher's duel, bro. Like, both of them had their stuff together. It was it was awesome to watch. Like, this, that kid is legit. Seeing him the first time in Chicago, he kept us to one hit. He just, you know, had the uh, a lot of walks, but still in, in this game, he kept us to one hit. All I'm going to say is he, he's got a bright future ahead and I'm so glad he's no longer part of the Red Sox team. And, you know, the trade to Chris, the Chris sale trade. Now he's on the white Sox. Very glad he's in the central and not, you know, part of the Red Sox rotation. It, it might've gotten the Red Sox, the championship, but I'm starting to think that the Red Sox did not win that trade, seeing what this kid is turning out to be. You know, they might have won it in the short term, but the White Sox are looking like they came out the better for it with him and Moncada because Moncada's legit too. So it, it, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see the final result and who won that trade. Yeah. Moving on, Sean, let's let's dive a little deeper into this whole Tim Anderson versus Josh Donaldson thing. Um, for those of you that don't know or, you know, haven't been caught up with this, this whole rivalry supposedly stems from an incident involving Josh Donaldson calling Tim Anderson Jackie. And Tim Anderson and Tony LaRusa are making claims that Basically, I'm going to paraphrase. They're basically calling Josh Donaldson a racist and that he made a racist comment and they're trying to paint him as this racist, no good, troublemaking guy. Now, you and me both know, Sean, that Josh Donaldson came into this clubhouse with an edge. You know, he, he wasn't the squeaky clean Yankee player that we've been used to these last couple of years with Judge and Sanchez and Glaber and all these likable guys that, you know, you love to cheer for because they're good guys. No, this guy came with a little bit of an edge, which you need in a clubhouse, but he's never painted me. You know, he's never come off to me as some kind of racist. So all this, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but all this threw me off big time. And, you know, uh, Donaldson said he was joking that, 
he meant it because of comments that Tim Anderson made in the past where he says that he's changing the game the way Jackie changed the game. Whose side are you on on this, Sean? I mean, Yankee bias aside, do you believe Josh Donaldson that it was a joke and that he was referring to Tim Anderson's old comments? Or do you side with Tim Anderson and Tony La Russa and think Josh uh, is a racist and should be suspended or fined or whatever? What, what, where do you fall on this? It's tough because he they're clearly not friends and they've never been friends. So with Josh saying that it was kind of like an inside joke between them since 2019 when he was with Atlanta. I don't know how much of that is really an inside joke or like, you know, clearly you're bothered by the fact he called himself Jackie. And so now every time you see him, you're kind of like poking fun at him. Like you really think you're the next Jackie, like, come on now, like stuff like that. So that's what he's meaning by when he's saying, you know, all right, Jackie, like stuff like that, which I can understand where it is deemed racist. I don't think Josh was trying to be racist in any way. I think he was trying to just say like, you're not Jackie, like, like, and poke fun at that. Like you can call yourself that, but you're not Jackie. Like, yeah, you're a phenomenal hitter, but you have other things like stuff like that. I do see it from both sides though. And it's easier to hate Donaldson because of his past and it's easier to love Anderson because of his past with the, you know, him getting suspended for that bat flip thing a couple years back and like all the fans rallied around him. So everyone loves him. And obviously he's always like in the top three in the batting competition. He's a phenomenal hitter. I'm not taking that away from him, but Tim Anderson is not a saint either. It was floating around on Twitter about two years ago when Tim Anderson was calling former teammates and, and, people he was going up against the n-word and saying all these super racial comments about them and he didn't get suspended and you know even two weeks ago it was he he committed an error which he leads the league in in errors the fans are heckling him and he he gives everyone the middle finger as he walks off the field if, if donaldson had done that in that moment, we'd be talking about a 10-game suspension. I can't believe he did that. You know, all, all this. But for Tim Anderson, everyone likes Tim Anderson. So it's all, oh, well, you know, he was getting heckled. And so it's, it's reduced to a fine. And I'm not trying to play the race card or anything like that. I'm just saying that it's easier to hate Donaldson because of his past. I don't think it's a race thing though. Like I I'm 100% with you. And actually I'm glad you brought that up because I completely forgotten about the middle finger incident, major league baseball, man. They, they just, I don't think it's a race thing. I think they tend to have a bias sometimes towards certain players, especially the quote unquote likable players look no further than this past year's hall of fame voting where they voted in david ortiz despite him obviously doing steroids you know there being clear evidence that he did steroids and they did not care and they voted him in why because he's a likable guy yep, but yeah roger clemens doesn't get in because he's less likable major league baseball tends to have favoritism towards you know, the guys, they, they deem nice guys or likable guys, and, and they don't have 
steady like judgment for everyone and grading everyone on the same scale they never have Mm -hmm. they play favorites and i think this is another deal where they play favorites where they look at josh and he's already you know the scapegoat and and the bad boy in their eyes so he's not going to get the same benefit of the doubt as good old tim anderson you know that's that's just what it is um and i'm 100 with you i don't think he was saying it in the racist way either you know, bias aside, I, I'm 100% with you. I think he just looks at it like, yo, slow your roll. You ain't there yet. I look at it like the same way. Like if Josh were to say, oh, bro, I'm the next Babe Ruth, you know what I'm saying? And, exactly. and Tim would have came up to me, yo, what's up, babe? Yo, how you doing, babe? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, There's no racial, you know, meaning behind it. It's just like, slow your roll. Like, yeah, you're a great player, but you should never, especially for that situation. You should never compare yourself to Jackie. Jackie will forever be highlighted as one of a kind is the, the face that changed baseball forever. And, you know, I understand like what he was trying to say that he's Jackie because he's trying to make baseball fun again. And when Jackie came along it changed the face of baseball and to a whole new audience, but totally different situations here. And you're talking about a bat flip compared to him breaking the color barrier. Like, yeah, Let's let's calm down. And Josh Donaldson didn't mean it in that way. And I think it's easier to just, you know, say race because of Donaldson's history. If Josh had said something like that, I don't think they'd be immediate to just go, oh, he's racist. But I think with with Donaldson and and just a year ago, we we didn't like Donaldson ourselves because of the whole Garrett Cole thing. So it's so easy to just be like, ah, yeah, I don't like him. Oh, yeah, I hate him, too. Oh, yeah, I hate him, too. And so that's what's happening right now. And, and make no mistake, with, with Jackie Robinson, he broke the color barrier because he basically forced his way into Major League Baseball because his talent was so good that he could not be denied. Like, you cannot ignore the talent that this man had. And if you didn't put him in a Major League, you know, roster, you were going to look bad yourself because it's like you couldn't ignore how good he was. Tim Anderson ain't that good. Not yet. Maybe one day he will, but he ain't at Jackie Robinson level. He he is a phenomenal player, but he's still, you know, got plenty of time left in his career. And maybe at the end of it all, his numbers will show that, yeah, he is, you know, near his level, but he'll never be Jackie Robinson or even he should never be compared to Jackie Robinson. And not even to to be biased, but he opened that door by calling himself that. Nobody yeah. else called him that or even thought to refer him in, in comparison to Jackie. He opened that door. That's why I said earlier, it, it's like if Josh Donaldson would have said, bro, I'm the next Babe Ruth. Watch me. Watch me bring rain like Babe Ruth used to slaughter home runs or whatever. He would have opened that door and everybody, you know, especially because of like you said, he's not exactly the most likable guy. Everybody would have messed with him. Everybody would have been like, yo, what happened, babe? You struck out, babe. You know, and everybody would have been messing with him, but yet nobody would have blinked an eye if if the roles were reversed, because like you said, it's that, and and like we both agree on, it's that favoritism that Major League Baseball seems to have with certain guys as opposed to other guys. Am I, am I right? Yeah. Yeah. There there are plenty of times where people compare themselves or compare them, their talents to beating other, you know, former players. I remember when Otto Vino claimed he could strike out Babe Ruth. And all that. So when you bring that up, that's exactly what I think of. No one thought anything of people. And in, every time 
Adovino gave up a home run or, you know, like he, he couldn't find the strike zone. They were like, what are you talking about? You, you can't even get these guys out. Are you getting Babe Ruth out? You know, like, and so it, it's just something that Donaldson was clearly like poking the bear at. I don't think it was really an inside joke like he was trying to say, but I think he was just trying to say like, slow your roll a bit. And I think, you know, maybe, maybe it is only Donaldson, but I bet there are other major leaguers that have, you know, heckled him or even joked with him like, Oh, Hey Jackie, like, you know, messing around with him. And I think he just doesn't like Donaldson. So it immediately causes this friction. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, he uses that as the excuse, but really like, because he doesn't like him and because they got beef all he doesn't need an excuse to, to go after him. So he, he just looks at that whole thing, like as a convenient way to be like, of course I'm going after him. He called me this. No, bro, you're going after him. Cause you don't like him. And you know, the whole thing between, you know, the catcher and Donaldson at the plate, you know, benches clearing. I mean, bro, like really, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing here? You know, come on. Like, and then for it to get as serious as it got for both that both managers had to basically keep them away from each other in the double header. It's come on, bro. That's not a good look. I think of it as I don't even blame Grandal because at the end of that inning, you know, they go back into their respective dugouts and I bet you, you know, Anderson was probably expressing to the team what he had said. And so coming off in whatever narrative Anderson put it, that definitely can spark like anyone, even if I was Anderson's teammate and I hear, you know, Donaldson, Donaldson called me Jackie. All of a sudden you're gonna be like, what, why would he do that? So I would, you know, even myself would have been like, I'm going to talk to him because you yeah. don't know the yeah. full detail, the history and the context. You just, how dare he? And then, you know, mm-hmm. you just rush to judgment. Let's uh, let's move on to uh, the next topic, Sean, because I feel like we could literally talk about this the entire day and we got more things to get into. Yes. Um, one unfortunate bit of news actually two of them over the weekend the Yankees lost a big piece of their bullpen over the weekend and a big piece of their minor league system that maybe could have contributed this year either in the bullpen or in the starting rotation if a guy went down um I'm of course talking about Chad Green going down over the weekend and it being reported that he's going to have Tommy John surgery as, lo- as well as Luis Hill, who also is going to need Tommy John. Um, what are your thoughts about losing those two guys? And uh, who do you think could come in and, you know, take over for Chad Green? I feel terrible for Chad, you know, going into a contract year. You know, now he's a free agent. It's definitely devastating to see him go down like that. He's been around since basically the beginning of our, of our playoff run, since the Baby Bomber era. You know, he's been there and he's always been, uh, you know, a guy we can rely on to come in in big situations. He's come in in, in big playoff situations and, and big situations in the regular season. And, and last year he did struggle. He gave up a lot of go-ahead home runs and stuff like that. But, you know, he he's someone I can always count on to come in sixth, seventh, eighth inning. He could have closed. Like, he gave us that. out. He gave us so many options. And uh, it definitely hurts to see him go down. And I hope he can, you know, either come back to us or find something where it still works for him. And I hope he has a speedy recovery and comes back and, you know, strong in 2023. For your second part, to replace him, I think it kind of, it 
works out in a um, in an unfortunate way for for Green, but fortunate for the Yankees, where now you can keep Clark Schmidt up for good because he deserves it, and Clark can now you know take his spot for like a sixth inning guy or a fifth sixth inning guy two winning role, and you know it keeps him in the bullpen, and he doesn't have to get demoted again, so it kind of just shifts everything over. It's unfortunate, Luis Heel, um, you know, because he has plenty of upside and after having the phenomenal year he had last year uh it definitely hurts to see him go down I felt like it I didn't think it was going to be Tommy John but I, I was telling his mechanics looked a little off and you know he obviously we saw in spring and in this year he was difficult finding the strike zone which was kind of a common theme but you know he was getting hit around a lot the velocity wasn't as as crisp as it used to be and he just looked off like it kind of looked like what Debbie looked like last year where he, yep. you know, two years ago, he looked phenomenal last year. He was completely off. And so, you know, I, I, again, Tommy John for him too, which really stinks. But I think when they both come back in, you know, early 2023, they'll, they'll be better than ever. And listen, Chad green, wasn't looking like himself this year either. Like he, for a while, you know, basically since the beginning of the year, he has not, you know, look like the Chad Green we all know, you know. He hasn't been as consistent as he once was for a while now, especially this year. Like, you, you've you seen him come in where sometimes, yeah, he'll get the job done, but sometimes you're holding your breath. And it's funny because, you know, we talked in a previous episode where you're so happy with this bullpen that there's no one that comes in and you're holding your breath and you're worried about what they're going to do. Well, unfortunately, Chad has been one of those guys, you know, along with another guy that we're going to get into in a little bit. But um, it sucks because, like you said, he's been there since day one. And you feel for any guy, you know, that's worked his butt off and, you know, paid his dues in the minors, come up to the majors and, you know, carved out a role for himself the way he did in this bullpen. You know, he had been a mainstay in that bullpen for so long, outlasting, you know, guys that have come and gone. You know, um, that one guy that went to the Cubs, a holder, right? He was here at the same time that Holder was, like a Clay Holmes. Jonathan Holder, there you go. So, you know, he's seen guys like Jonathan Holder come and go. He's still here with guys like Clay Holmes. Like you said, he was in line for a contract. You know, might have been his only time to get a payday because of the way major league contracts are set up and the way the service time was set up before this new CBA came into into an agreement. Not that I was rooting for him to get a big payday with us, because then that would have meant the Yankees were going to have to pay him and not necessarily somebody else. But on a personal level, you wanted the guy to get it his, you know. So it sucks for him. It really does. And I'm, I'm rooting for him to come back stronger than ever too. Um, but Hey, at least like you, like you told me off air, at least this might open up the possibility for the Yanks to bring him back on the, on a cheaper deal. Yes. I was just about to say that. Yeah. It kind of opens like as unfortunate as it is, and it's going to be a brutal road ahead. You know, it does open the door for him to come back to the Yankees on a cheaper deal because I think it's pretty set in stone that we will never go um, and spend highly on, on relievers again, 
when Cashman has found, you know, uh, all these relievers for cheap, cheap deals, like especially a Clay Holmes and, and even Castro and stuff and other, you know, relievers like that. But, you know, we'll, we won't see Britain again next year. We probably won't see Chapman, which we'll talk about. And Green was probably on his way out too, because he was going to get a, a pretty good contract. And I don't think the Yankees wanted to match, but with the injury, it, it can keep him in the Bronx and maybe he wants to stay in the Bronx too. He's played for the Bronx his whole career. Maybe it gets him a cheaper deal to stay here. It gives a chance to see if Clark Schmidt is for real. Now that he'll have basically a full season now to show that he can be more than, um, you know, a, a guy who's constantly between AAA and major league and bouncing back and forth. He gets a real shot now. And so it opens a lot of, a lot of doors for a lot of people. And, and like I said before, it's, it's that whole homegrown Yankee thing that makes you root for him. You know, like, like I said, he was there when we had guys rolling out like, like a Jonathan Holder, like a Luis Sessa, you know, you remember those guys. So it's like, you know, you had him along with those guys and he's outlasted them. You know, Jonathan Holder's come and gone. Luis Sessa is doing his thing over there in Cincinnati, yet Chad Green has still been here. So it's like, you know, as a fan of him personally, you want him to get that payday, but selfishly you don't because you know the Yankees weren't going to be the ones to give it to him like you just said. So it's unfortunate, but it may work itself out um, as far as the Yankees are concerned. Yeah, um, and he's only 30. So when he comes back at 31, he could come back on a one-year deal and then be, you know, and prove it and maybe still get the contract that he was sort of seeking and still be in the Bronx for an extra year. You know, we, who knows? But it can also be like a Tommy Canely situation where he gets paid big from the Dodgers and he does get the big payday somewhere else. Canely was the other one I was thinking of. I just couldn't remember his name. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. You know, Canely, Sessa, Holder, like those guys, they were all there. Sessa still hurts because I'm Mexican. So seeing (laughs) Sessa no longer a Yankee hurts, man. He was representing me and the Mexicans out there. There you go. (laughs) So so you you looked at him the way I look at Nestor Cortez. That's right. I love Sessa. Everyone hated Sessa, but I was always like Sessa for Cy Young. Sessa Cy Young. That's that used to be like my hashtag motto, Sessa for Cy Young. (laughs) <laughs> hey man he's he's doing he's doing good over there in Cincy the last I saw so you know happy for him yeah me too very happy for him um speaking of mainstays that have been here since since uh Chad Green let's let's get into another guy that's pissing us off Sean uh another fellow Cubano of mine a role this Chapman bro what the hell what the hell is up with this guy like, honestly, at this point, he's really making a case for the Yankees to kind of push him out the door. Well, like you said, they're probably not going to bring him back at the price tag he wants anyway. But he's making a case for the Yankees to push him out the door as far as the closer role, especially with how dominant Clay Holmes has been. Like, are we looking at a possible emotion here with the world this Chapman I I feel like it's just another repeat of last year where in the beginning of last year we saw him and be absolutely dominant throughout the first like month and a half and then all of a sudden 
he just completely unravels and he he's one of the worst pitcher worst relievers out there and he's given up five uh, runs in five straight games you know in the last five games he's got a 14.73 ERA and I mentioned something to you off air about Chapman where especially with yesterday's game you know he looks off his his fastball has clearly diminished uh, I saw a stat this morning on Twitter that 48% of his fastballs are under 97 miles an hour when we knew the guy for throwing over a hundred, almost every pitch. And you know, he, he constantly shows to be a, a head case. And we saw it yesterday where he didn't seem to have it at all. We saw it from almost the first pitch and it was kind of odd where I'm still trying to find reasoning or trying to find an explanation for, for, I guess myself where, you know, they, they said after the game that he's dealing with an Achilles situation, not sure how bad or how hurt, uh, hurt he is or whatever, but he comes out, yeah, Boone comes out and, you know, ask him if he's all right, he's clearly not okay. And he, you know, he asks to stay in the game after the three batter minimum after he gave up the home run on the second pitch of his outing and it gave them the lead back. And then he stays in just to give out an RBI double two pitches later. And then you take him out again. And then you say he's injured, but it's something I'm not un- understanding because clearly the injury was there before he gave up the RBI double after, you know, he seemed to not have it at all. He doesn't seem to have it at all this month. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think that it's time. To, to take him out of that role. I think Yankee fans have been pleading it for almost three years. We've seen our, we've seen our postseason or our season end two, two times off this, off his pitch with Altuve and um, Brosseau the, of the Rays. My God, don't remind me. It, it just, it's been like a constant theme where we're asking ourselves, why is he in the ninth inning? Our bullpen has been phenomenal. And then we get to the ninth inning and we're biting our nails. And that's, it yeah. should almost be the exact opposite. The Altuve one still haunts me. Um, the Brousseau one was just as bad, but the Altuve one, bro, it, it, it still haunts my nightmares, um, <laughs> <laughs> especially with that little smile he gave afterwards. And like home the jersey, bro. It, it's it's. I mean, listen, for better or for worse, this whole thing will sort itself out and resolve itself, one way or another. Because like you said, he's a free agent at the end of this year. Yankees probably aren't going to bring him back. And as far as this year and the closer role, if he doesn't get it together, I could see a scenario where the Yankees give the job to Clay Holmes. You already saw them give him the opportunity over the weekend and he did the job just fine. So if you continue to see a situation where he continues to, have control and you know dominate as he has and Chapman continues to struggle you could see a situation where at best they demote him you know momentarily where they basically make him prove that he deserves the job again which they've done in the past too where they where they'll demote him for about a month and have him work his way back you know maybe have him do the seventh for a while then if he's good enough, have him do the eighth, like work his way back little by little, or they might just take away the job altogether if Clay Holmes gives them no choice because he's that good. At the end of the year, <laughs> if he continues to pitch like this, bro, forget 
getting the money he wants. He won't get an offer at all if he continues to pitch like this. And, and I feel for him if he is going through an Achilles situation. But, bro, if, if you're dealing with an injury, then you got to tell the staff, don't don't be an idiot and go out there and and try to tough it out if if it's hurting your mechanics or or your effectiveness. You know, I get playing hurt if it's not going to affect you. You know, if it's just a minor thing that you can deal with the pain and it doesn't affect your your effectiveness or your on-the-field play, fine. But if he's struggling due to this, don't be an idiot. You know, be a team player. Tell the doctor. Get get seen. Do something. Seeing, seeing the stats, you know, Chapman has nine saves and Holmes already has four. Like, he's already come in to slowly – you know, take, not take the role, but show that I can, I can take this role. Like I'm more than capable, you know, Holmes gave up one run in his first game of the season, which was basically like a, you know, an extended spring training, you know, against the Red Sox. But since then he's been absolutely lights out, not a single run across, knock on wood, keep that going. But, you know, he's been great and he's clearly shown that he can take the closure role. And I feel like now is the best time that we've ever had with him where Chapman is probably not coming back. He's on his final year. There's no hurt feelings here. There's no, well, you know, we'll get you ready for this or, you know, we hope this doesn't bother you, but we might do that. It's, it's not about what Chapman's feelings. It can't be about Chapman's feelings. It's about winning ball games and you can't be up in the lead and then, or tied in the situation in the ninth and have your closer come in and give up the lead on the second pitch. You just can't have that. And especially with these last five games, these last five games with Chapman, good thing that the Yankees have had a three to four run lead in almost every single one of them. So when Chapman comes in and gives up the run, we're kind of like, well, good thing we had a lead that he can't blow. because He's been giving them up and we haven't talked about it, but now, especially you knew that the situation would come up where he comes up in the ninth. We're already saying, Oh man, please don't blow this. This guy throws one fastball. That's 95 miles an hour and up in the zone and it's crushed. And we're just going, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. And, and listen, not for nothing, but um, given this whole scenario and, and, you know, the whole thing that we're saying about him being on his last year, you know, you get the feeling that, Clay Holmes is slowly being worked into that role. If he continues to be effective and if he continues to do good, don't be surprised also. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not trying to pretend I'm an insider or anything. I'm not. But, you know, if you've watched baseball enough, you know how to put two and two together. Don't be surprised if the Yankees deal him at the deadline if Clay Holmes continues to, you know, do his thing. You know, maybe there might be a team out there that wants a guy like a role this chairman, especially being that he's on an expiring deal. You know, he's he's on the final year of his deal. He can still, you know, be effective. Maybe there's a team out there that needs him, like not for the closer role, but maybe for an eighth inning role. You know, I, I don't know what team that could be at the moment. I would hate to say, but even a team like the Dodgers, let's just say, you know, maybe they take a run at them because, you know, they want to add to their already stacked bullpen that they have, especially because they lost Kenley Jensen. So 
you could see a situation where the Yankees and Aaron Boone say, you know what? We like what we have with Clay Holmes. He's shown he can handle the role. Let's get some prospects for a role this Chapman. I know that would make Yankees Twitter ecstatic. I know that would make them super happy. To be honest, bro, he might be a fellow Cuban like me, but I wouldn't be opposed to it if he continues to struggle like this. You know, le, le desearía suerte. I'd wish him luck. Like, at the end of the day, we need results, bro. I think that you can even say you can give Clay Holmes the, 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 the closer role, but it also, you know, we've seen Luizaga struggle a lot this year. And you can also show Chapman, like, you know, you can work your way back up to maybe even being an eighth inning guy, take that pressure off you. And we can go back to times where you were working more than three outs or, you know, maybe you can come in the seventh, maybe, you know, and slowly work your back and take that pressure off of trying to get a save. Clay Holmes seems like he's ready to, to take on the closer role. Garrett Cole and Aaron Boone have come in and said that his sinker's the the nastiest pitch in all of baseball. Let's let's see it in the ninth inning. I think it's more than time, more than enough time now that we should see Clay Holmes given the opportunity. We cannot keep seeing games get pushed into extras or being lost in the ninth because of you know holding on to Chapman's feelings. I think especially, that especially especially in a meaningful game or a playoff game. I completely agree with you. Exactly. Um, before we move on to the Baltimore preview, man, I'm going to put you on the spot, Sean. Does he get traded at the deadline? It depends right on now, the Gun to your head. Gun to my head, no. Gun to my head, no, because I don't think any team takes $18 million unless it's like the Dodgers or the Mets or the Padres, something that they desperately need a closer now. But I think that I think he stays with us because I don't think anyone wants him for 18 and he won't get that type of money in the offseason. You imagine not for nothing. I mean, (laughs) I hate them, but, you know, whatever it it is, what it is. You imagine Stevie Cohen making that kind of deal and putting a role this Chapman together with Edwin Diaz. Bro, talk about a, a back end of the bullpen, huh? Yeah, that would be that would be something. I I definitely don't see it happening, but I could definitely see teams like that who have money to spend and who desperately need a closer or need something in the ninth inning and they still think Chapman could be his former self going out and calling the Yankees about it. There you go. There you go. Well, we shall see, my brother. Um, moving on uh to our last segment before we close out the show, let's give the people a preview of the upcoming series. Once again, I said this last episode, it feels like we're either going against the White Sox or the or the Orioles like every day. It's it's Groundhog Day all over again. Um, we're going against Baltimore again, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. <laughs> only, only this time it feels a little different thanks to Baltimore finally calling up their top prospect, Adley Rushman, on Saturday, May 21st. He, you know... He's been successful so far, uh, hitting 250 and eight ABs and, you know, seems to be living up to the hype. Um, you got Jordan Lyles versus Garrett Cole tonight. Jordan Lyles, I've said this on previous episodes, not a very good pitcher, just there to give length, 411 ERA, two and four record. You got our arch nemesis, Bruce Zimmerman, uh, against Jordan Montgomery tomorrow. And you got uh, Tyler Wells versus TBD for the Yankees on Wednesday. Um, 
I guess the Yankees are going to call somebody up or maybe they'll spot start somebody from the pen. You know, you never know. Um, we'll see. We'll see what, what the Yankees can do. Uh, you got Rushman up there that you got to, you know, worry about now. Obviously, you got to worry about our other arch nemesis, uh, Anthony Santander. Uh, I know we we spoke off air uh, that the Yankees have dominated this series. They've they're winning the season series so far, seven to three. And, uh, you know, the Orioles are three and seven in their last 10 games with the three being against uh most of the three, I think, if I'm not mistaken, coming against the Tampa Bay Rays, like they did us a solid being beating Tampa. You know, they're coming in feeling good about themselves, but still on a slide like you should like I feel like I've said this already 10 million times, but you should get this sweep. What do you think? I think it should definitely be a sweep. Uh, Garrett Cole tonight, I think, has basically had the Orioles number since he's been a Yankee and probably before that. I think tonight should be a win. I think the offense should come alive tonight and kind of change the narrative over what happened this weekend. Double headers never seem to work out in our favor, but you know, it's 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 just tiring. You're playing 18 innings and in, you know, in a long day, no break. It's tough. But uh, I think tonight the Yankees should come out, win this game. Um, obviously the Yankees lineup will look different with no Gallo, no Higashioka still, uh, with the COVID IL stint. But I think the Yankees should come out and win uh, tomorrow's game with Montgomery and Zimmerman. Just like what we talked about last week, those two are facing off against each other again. We were nervous about that game, but that was the game where the Yankees actually scored runs in the first inning off Zimmerman and looked pretty good off him and got, I think, five earned off him. So we, we, we looked solid uh, for the Wednesday game. With the Yankees don't have a starter yet, I, I expect either a starter to come up from the minors or them using Clark to spot start for three or four innings and using the bullpen that way. I guess we'll see what the moves look like after that. But I still expect the Yankees to hit off Tower Wells enough and uh, Tower Wells well enough, if that makes sense, <laughs> to get a sweep. And we definitely need a sweep to head into Tampa Bay. Speaking of Tampa, um, I'm, I looked up their their season series. Uh, well, not their season series, but their past three game series. They lost. They lost only one against Tampa. So their last, like I said, they're three and seven in their last ten games. Two of those three wins are against Tampa. One of them was that one game they beat us in the four game set we went against them. Yep. So that's their three wins. So I mean, hey. You know, in, in their last five games, if you want to get technical, they've won three out of five. So they're feeling good about themselves, but there's still no reason you shouldn't get this sweep. Um, any any concern over young Adley Rushman facing us for the first time, Sean, or how you feeling? I think I, tonight the youngster is going to get a nice little welcome to the major leagues going against Garrett Cole. I know that's for a fact. <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to get a nice test. I think... This is going to be kind of like a, a a beautiful moment for him because everyone talks about Yankees and the Yankee Stadium. And first time you go to Yankee Stadium is different than any other stadium. Mm -hmm. And to to have, I think it's his third career game being at Yankee Stadium against arguably one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. And in Yankee Stadium as a road, you know, on the road, I think that's the biggest test you could get. 
in a regular season. So especially to start up your career. So I'm excited for him. He looks phenomenal. Uh, I've, I've done so many videos and, and articles about him. He is, he is for real. He is a, a stud of a prospect. And I think that the Orioles got an amazing player that he'll be there for pro- probably years to come. Yeah. Hey, he, you know, from what I've seen and from what I've gathered, he looks legit. Like, but I mean, one thing is looking legit in the minors and another is going up to the major league level and going against a pitcher, the caliber of Garrett Cole. Like I could see this going one of two ways for the youngster. Either he comes out and impresses kind of like Rafael Devers did when he first made his debut against the Yankees and put the world on fire, hitting a homer against the aforementioned, the role this Chapman, or he could look ridiculous and Garrett Cole could basically toy with the kid. You know, it's going to be, there's going to be no middle ground. It's either going to be one or the other, either he's going to look overmatched or he's going to welcome himself to the world tonight. You know what I'm saying? So I'm really looking forward to that Rushman versus Garrett Cole matchup tonight. And obviously the matchup with Santander, who seems to have our number two, like what, what the hell is up with us against this kid? Like we, we can't seem to get him out, you know? So those are the two players I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing against us the most, you know, my quote unquote players to watch, if you could call it that. Um, what about you, Sean? Any, uh, anything I would you, say you have for us before we call it a day, like any players to watch from the Yankees end, any little tidbits? <laughs> you always um, seem to have some, so, so give it to us, you know, <laughs> kind of obvious, but I feel like judge and, Stan and I expect Rizzo to be red hot this 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 series. Even though you know facing the lefty and Zimmerman, I expect him to have a, a really good bounce back series, um, and and for the whole team to kind of bounce back after you know yesterday's doubleheader uh, mishap. But for the Orioles, I I am happy for for Adley. I I expect him to have a a, a pretty decent series. I don't. I think he will definitely get overwhelmed and by by Cole, not from the atmosphere, but by Cole, because going from AAA pitchers three days ago to Garrett Cole is a huge difference, <laughs> a major a major reality check to to joining the major leagues and showing that you know this is this is what it's all about. Welcome is, to the majors, young man. Yes, that that's exactly. what it'll be. <laughs> Welcome to the pros. Uh, I would like to give you gave a shout out in the earlier. I'd like to give a shout out to Odor for two walk-offs against the race, which being a former Yankee last year, you're still, I still love you, <laughs> but I'd like to say thank you for helping us out by keeping the Rays down with us while we only won one out of the last three. They also stay with us and just as far back with thank you for Odor for the back-to-back walk-offs. So uh, I also expect Santander to be nice. And the last guy I'm looking forward to, to to seeing for Baltimore is Austin Hayes. He's he's hit well against Cole and he's hit well against us last year. And he's another kid that that's come just coming up. And he's another person that I, I'm definitely looking out for. There you go. Well on that note, brother, uh I think we're gonna call it an episode. Thank you, Rugi, as you said. Um Sean, thank you. For hopping on as always, man. Look forward to recording with you again now that you're official. 
um give your your socials brother like you always do my twitter handle is at sean negron 25 uh follow us on the at hot a pod uh i will be doing in-game highlights there from for the long-term future i'm i'm very excited about that i'm very excited like i said last episode to be a part of this group with you and john and and i look forward to the future and what 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 holds ahead because it's going to be very exciting yes sir yes sir we definitely got some exciting stuff coming up man stay tuned because me and sean are definitely excited and so is john um yeah, definitely. Like like Sean says, give us a follow on both uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Hot Esquina Pod. Um, give us a like, rating, and review, especially if you're on iTunes. Give us that five-star review and rating. We appreciate it, and it helps us out tremendously. Um, and hit that subscribe button so you get all new episodes on your phone or wherever you listen to your podcasts as soon as they come out. So from Sean, I'm Enrique. You guys have a good one and we'll talk to you again later in the week before we face Tampa. Go Yanks.